You can grab your Bibles and open them up to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. And we spent our summer working our ways through Proverbs, and we find ourselves in the last week of our series in Proverbs. And we really spent our time looking at God's Word and asking, what is wisdom? What's the right way to live in the world that God created? Now, what God is going to do this morning is make us aware of an important spiritual reality. And the reality is this, that each of us have a weapon of massive power, really of mass destruction within us. Let me say that again. Proverbs is teaching us that each of us have a weapon with massive power within us. Now, we've all seen the destruction that a weapon can bring when it's put into the hands of a person who wields it with no self-control. When they're not able to handle it properly, when they're not able to handle it with wisdom, we've seen what kind of destruction a weapon can bring. And yet on the flip side, we've also seen the great peace that a weapon can bring when put into a person's hands who has self-control. The way that it can fight for what's right, the way that it can fight for justice. A weapon can be great, a great power to protect the weak. Now, I see there are some in this room who are excited that we are finally dealing with the wisdom of gun law, and I just want to say we're not doing that this morning. I do not want to dive into those waters. I see some some hunters in here giving the amen. They have their fist up. I can't really see them that well because they're in camouflage, but they're here somewhere. See, this morning, what... Proverbs wants to teach us is that the weapon of mass destruction that is in each of us is the weapon of anger. It is even physical. It's a spiritual weapon of anger. And what God wants to show us this morning is that when we embrace the wisdom of a self-controlled life, we can be slow to anger. And our righteous anger can bring about great good. And yet for all of us, As we think about self-controlled, righteous anger, the reality is is that is really only 1% of our anger, if that. What we've experienced instead is the great destruction that comes into our life when we don't exhibit any self-control with our emotions and with anger. Experientially, we know that to get angry often is like trying to throw a grenade at a pile of wood and hoping that it's going to build a house. We think that it'll accomplish something, But in the end, all it does is mass mass destruction of everything that is in its wake. Not only have we been angry, but each of us have experienced the angry actions of another. And all of us have been hurt by the angry words of another. And what Proverbs wants to show us is that the key to our anger is self-control. And that when you can experience wisdom paired with self-controlled anger, then you'll experience great blessing. Now, I want you to see this in the book of Proverbs, and the first thing I want you to see is that self-control helps me to understand the double-edged power of my anger. And so really what we see in Proverbs is the writer of Proverbs is showing you both the power for destruction that anger has, but also the power for great healing. Look at Proverbs 14, 29. Look what it says. First half says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. 
You see, anger, when you are slow to anger, anger with, exerted with self-control, it has the power to make you wise. It has the power to bring great healing to those around your life, to fight for justice. And yet, that's not anger's only power. Anger is a double-edged sword with power to destroy. But look at the second half of Proverbs 14, verse 29. It says, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And so if you're slow to anger, you can exalt wisdom in your life. But if you have a hasty temper, you exalt folly in your life. Anger used hastily without any self-control has the power to bring about destruction, has the power to exalt foolishness in your life. And so this is what Proverbs is doing. It's holding up anger and showing you its power to destroy, to make you a fool, and its power to heal and to make you wise. Now, right off the bat, I know what's happening in some of your hearts. And I'm not a mind reader or anything like that, but I know it's happening because it happens in my heart. When we begin to listen to a sermon about anger, what happens is we have this picture in our head of an angry person. Oh, that's anger. That's your typical angry person. And as we begin to think about self-control, we can take the spotlight off of us and put it onto a person that, that we would define as angry. We might think that the angry person is maybe just that person who gets violent when they get angry, who explodes, who's loud, who's yelling. Or maybe if we're that person, we think that the, the real person with the real problem is the person who just keeps it all inside. You know, they boil with irritation, they complain inwardly, but they never let it release. They're the real problem. Well, let me ask you, maybe you don't explode in outward acts of violence or loudness when you get angry. But do you ever boil with irritation when others get in your way? Do you ever get bitter about some, something that someone has said to you? Do you ever have jealousy rise up in your heart? Do you ever become a doctor and prescribe someone you love the silent treatment, thinking that that will fix everything? See, anger has multiple faces. And what Proverbs is showing us is that it is a power that each of us need to learn how to wield wisely. Some of us, we misunderstand slow anger. And so the proverb says, be slow to anger. And so what we think is, as long as I keep my anger inside, as long as I don't just explode at my kids, as long as I don't yell at my wife, as long as my, I know my, as long as my boss doesn't know that I'm really annoyed and irritated with how things are going at work, then, then I'm doing good. But what you need to know is that Proverbs here is showing that anger, it has the power to destroy whether it's internal or external. It destroys. I want you first to see a couple ways that anger can destroy. First, I want you to see that anger without self-control has the power to destroy our bodies. You can see this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, the verse after, the, after with that which we just looked at, it says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes bones rot. See, anger, it takes a toll on us physically. It increases our chance of heart disease. After an angry episode, I read in a study this week that the chances of having a heart attack or a stroke, they skyrocket for hours after that angry episode has happened. And we don't need to just read studies to know that. We know experientially that anger, it takes a toll on us physically so that when we're angry, we move quicker, don't we? 
Our blood pumps quicker. We shut the cupboards louder. I thought about this. I've never yawned when I'm angry. You ever see a person really angry yawn? It doesn't because your mind is racing. When you are angry, your body is in hyperdrive mode. And even the psalmist, the psalmist declares here that it rots your bones. Now, it destroys us in even more significant ways. It destroys our relationships. And so let me do a quick survey of some Proverbs here for you. Proverbs 15.1, a harsh word stirs up anger. 15.8, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Proverbs 22, verse 24, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. See, our anger, it destroys our relationships with those around us. Have you ever tried to be in a close, intimate relationship with a person who's quick to anger? You feel like you can't be yourself because you're constantly walking on eggshells. What's it going to be that sets them off this time? The scary thing is that it's often like that for us angry people, for the people that we love most. We can be the most angry at the people that are closest to us. And so perhaps a good application this morning of God's word is for you to go home and for you to say to those who are closest to you, your spouse, your kids, to anyone who knows you intimately, how does my anger affect you? Do you see me as an angry person? When was the last time you saw me angry? Now, anger, it doesn't just destroy our bodies. It doesn't just destroy our relationships. It also destroys our wisdom. Listen, all this summer, we've spent time talking about what it means to live a wise life. And you need to know this, that if you don't have self-control in the area of anger, you don't have the beginning of wisdom. You have no wisdom in your life because anger sucks all the wisdom from your life. He says, whoever has a hasty temper exalts folly. You are exalting foolishness in your life. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And the idea here is that if you want to build a successful city, you need to build walls. Otherwise, everything you're working for will constantly be taken from you. I thought of the modern day illustration because I don't think any of us have built a city and we haven't built a city with walls. And so the modern day illustration would be, uh, If you have no self-control, you're like a person who always leaves your windows down in your car and you always leave your wallet on the front dash. And it keeps getting stolen and you're saying, I can't understand this. This is what a life that lacks self-control looks like. It is foolishness. Anger, it turns us into fools, doesn't it? After you are angry, after you said that thing that you felt so justified to say in your anger, You feel like a fool, don't you? You say it and you immediately at times realize that it was not something you should have said. And why is that? It is because you were a fool when you said it. If you have a hasty temper, Proverbs says you are a fool. Now what God is doing right now in some of our hearts is stopping us in our tracks, revealing the destructive nature of our anger. See, this is what Proverbs does for us. It helps us understand how destructive anger can be in your life. It it kind of functions like those cigarette boxes do now, don't they? You look at the box and you see this horrible picture of what smoking can do for you, and the idea is that it's really supposed to turn you off, 
of the danger of smoking. And this is what Proverbs does for us with our anger. It holds up the foolishness of a hasty temper and says, avoid this with all your life. It will only lead to destruction. Now, anger is power. It's double-edged. And so it has the power for destruction, but it also has the power for healing. I want you to notice something about the biblical remedy for destructive anger. The remedy is slow anger. If we are to be wisely angry, if we are to be angry with self-control, then we need to be slow to anger. It is an anger that's able to step back from the hot emotion that we usually feel. It's an an anger that's able to discern truth from wrong. It's an anger that acts in love to fight for what is right. And this is the anger that God most gloriously exhibits. Think for a moment about uh, Moses' interaction with God in Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Moses says to God, God, show me your glory. God, show me who you are. And what does God say to Moses? He says this. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. See, God's anger is a self-controlled anger that abounds in love towards his children. It abounds in faithfulness towards them. This is the anger that God showed from the very beginning. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sin, what does God do to Adam and Eve? He walks into the garden, and God knows all things, and yet still he calls to Adam and Eve, knowing that they have just ruined everything, knowing that they have just become corrupted. And what does he say? He says, Adam, where are you? See, God is seeking out Adam and Eve. He is slow to anger. And even as he's about to curse the serpent, the man, and the woman, his anger is slow and filled with grace and love. See, God always displays a slow anger. Let's be honest. Our anger is not often like that. When you are at home and you turn the corner and your kids are doing something that displeases you, often we are anything but slow to anger. Often we are immediately upset. By the 10-second mark, after the, we've realized what's made us angry, we've already yelled at our kids. 30 seconds later, we're cleaning up the mess. We're boiling internally with anger. How could they do this to us? By the minute mark, we've already got Kijiji open. We're putting up our kids on Kijiji to see if anyone will take them. See, we are quick to anger. Instead, the anger that we are made to reflect is God's slow anger. And so understand this. As the Bible speaks about anger, its solution is not no anger. The Bible's solution is is not just keep it all inside. Don't ever get angry. Some of you guys come from cultures where it's like that. You are never allowed to be angry about anything. And that is a weak worldview. But the Bible's solution is also not blow anger. The Bible's solution is not just let it all out. You just need to explode every once in a while, and then you're going to be good. See, some of us come from cultures where that's the norm. 
You ever had dinner with a family like that? They're just constantly yelling at each other. And the next second, they're laughing at each other. And you're just like, I have no idea what's going on. And they're like, just, this is just the way that we communicate. Well, that's not the, the norm. It's not no anger. It's not blow anger. It is slow anger. Now, if we're honest, as we highlight God's anger as a good thing, it raises a difficult question for us, doesn't it? How can a good God who is so loving be angry? Well, the answer, it leads us to our next point, that if we want to be self-controlled, we must find the motivated affection behind our anger. If you want to have slow, self-controlled anger, you must find the motivated affection behind your anger. Now, in Proverbs, we have a hint to what actually causes our anger. I wonder if you've ever thought about this question. Why do I get so angry? The reality is, often we don't. In fact, anger, it pushes back against that sort of reviewing, that sort of examination. It resists close consideration. See, anger without self-control, it doesn't ask these questions. But if we can be self-controlled for a moment and step back from our anger and ask this question, why am I angry? We can begin to see God do great work in our lives. See, what makes us angry? Now, you can turn your Bibles to Proverbs 24, verses 28 to 29, and we're going to anchor ourselves in here for a little while. In Proverbs 24, verse 28 to 29, It helps us understand what's behind our anger, and it says this, Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. See, here's a story for us of a man who is clearly ready for vengeance. He is ready to get angry. And what's the problem? He wants to be a witness against his neighbor. He wants to point at his neighbor and say to everyone, look what they've done wrong. But Proverbs says, wisdom says, he can't do it because he is angry without a cause. See, he doesn't have the right motivation for his anger, and so wisdom says, don't get angry. Don't be a a witness against your neighbor. There is a righteous anger that can, be, that can have a cause. There is a righteous anger that can come from a proper motivation. But this isn't it. Look at the angry person's words. He says this, I will do to him as he has done to me. See, his anger is a jealous anger. Filled with desires for retribution, for vengeance. James 4, it really gives us a fuller picture as to how we can find out what's really causing us to be angry. James 4, verse 1, it says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you? See, what James is saying is this, anger comes because something has gotten in the way of something that you love. We are angry people because we are people who love deeply. I love the way that Tim Keller defines anger. He says anger is love in motion. Is it not true that the more you love something, the more angry or passionately you feel when something gets in the way of it? See, one of our problems is that we think that the opposite of love is anger. That's why we have so much trouble understanding God because we begin to believe that that anger is the opposite of love. But you need to know that's just not true. In fact, the more that we love someone or something, 
the more angry we will get when something opposes it. And so imagine with me for a moment, if I'm, I'm sleeping one night and someone breaks into my house and my family's there, and they're threatening my family. Is it right for me to do nothing, claiming that that's slow to be angry? Or is it right for me to display my anger against that which is opposing my family in that moment? We know the answer. It is right to protect your family. See, this is how God's love is so closely tied to his anger in Exodus when he says to Moses that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so we ask, how can God be so angry at sin and yet abound in love towards his children? It's because God's infinite anger at sin and infinite love for his children are not at odds with one another. In fact, both those things rise up with each other so that the more we understand how much our sin angers God, the more we will understand how much God loves his children. See, when a parent has a sick or diseased child, does not their heart burn with affection for that child while at the same time hating the disease that is in them? They long to rid the child of the sickness, and they're driven to great lengths to do whatever they can for that child. And you need to hear this. If you are in Christ, the disease of sin angers God with so much intensity that he was driven to great lengths to provide healing for you. He could not sit back and watch sin ravage his people His love was too great for his children and his anger too great against sin that the moment Adam and Eve sinned, he promised to crush the head of the serpent. He promised to deal with sin and he launched Adam and Eve and the people, his people into the plan of salvation and he patiently drew his people along as they awaited the day of Christ when he would come and make all things new, when he would come and bring healing. God would send his own son to deal with the disease of sin. And his son would be a sacrifice. See, God gave his son so that he could destroy that which angers his heart so greatly. Through the cross, the slow anger of God has burned, providing us our righteousness through the atonement and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we need this constant reminder. We need to preach this reality to ourselves constantly that God does not get angry like we get angry. See, God in his anger, he is never unapproachable to you if you are in Christ. See, when we get angry, how do we deal with those that come to us? We might say something rude to them. We might give them the silent treatment. We might be snippy, self-defensive. Not God. Instead, God always draws near to those who draw near to him. And maybe you've been living in sin. 
in this time in your life, and you feel like you just cannot draw near to God because he's so angry with your sin, and you need to hear that he has the utmost compassion for you. That when Jesus came, he came to seek angry people. And so if we want to be self-controlled in our anger, we need anger like God's anger. Therefore, we need to think about the motivating affection behind our anger. Think for a second about all the times that you've been angry. Whether that anger is self-controlled or not, there's a motivating affection behind it. Every time you get angry, you are revealing something about a love that you have. Your heart's affection is being uncovered. This is why anger can be good. This is why anger can be righteous. If we have a righteous love attached to our anger, and we are displaying that anger with self-control, it can be a good thing. This is why it is right for us to be angry about issues like abortion. The love that flows from this anger flows from God's heart. The reality is most of our anger revolves around something else, doesn't it? Most of our anger revolves around a love that I have for myself. Most often I am angry because someone has crossed me. Listen to the man in Proverbs 24. I will do to him as he has done to me. Most often our anger flares up because people didn't do things our way. They didn't serve our kingdom. They got in our way and now they're going to face our anger until we get the things that we want. Now if you find yourself constantly irritated or frustrated or angry because maybe you were snubbed or you were cut off in traffic or you feel unrecognized at work or you had your idea shut down or you feel like your spouse doesn't appreciate you, the problem may be that you love yourself way too much because our anger reveals the things that we love too much. But our anger also reveals the things that we love way too little. Let me ask you this. Why is it a hundred times easier for us to get angry when someone snubs us or says something to us that irritates us than it is for us to get angry about an injustice that's happening that's way worse across the world? Because we love ourselves way too much. And James tells us this in chapter 4, that our loves are broken. That our capacity to love what is right is broken. That our passions are at war within us. We love the wrong things and we get angry because we have faulty desires. See, with a broken heart, you can never get angry about the right things. Don't you hate broken things? Don't you hate when your car is making that rattling sound? And I have a lot of experience with this and you have to turn the music up really loud so you don't hear that sound anymore. I hate broken things. And the reality we come to face, to face is that we are the broken thing. That our heart loves the wrong things. And so the question that we must answer is how can our broken heart be fixed? How can we love the right things? And it leads to our third point. We need to pursue the Christ-centered solution. See, slow anger, the Proverbs solution is slow anger. Many of us know what it means to have a hasty temper. Anger often comes in a minute. But what Proverbs calls for is the opposite. Self-control in that very moment of anger. 
And so what the wise person does is when anger begins to rise in their hearts, they do three things. And I want you to take this for application. They, the first thing they do is review. This is what it means by slow anger. Not that you, can, that you have to wait like a 12-hour period before you get angry. But it means that you are able to stop in that moment and think. Because often, anger doesn't really think, does it? Often, in our anger, we make immediate judgments. This person said that because they think this. But slow anger has the wisdom to be able to stop and review Self-controlled anger means you're able to think reasonably through these things. You know that anger always arises from something you love. And so if you want to be wise and self-controlled in your anger, what you do is you ask yourself in that moment, what is the big thing that is so important to me that is driving me to anger? You stop and you ask yourself, what is the motivating affection that is driving me to anger right now? If we can be honest right now, if we can think about the things that irritate us and frustrate us and make us angry most, the reality is that most often it is not a righteous love that is driving us to anger. Most often it is a self-righteous love for ourselves that is driving us to anger. It is our kingdom. Take, for instance, the dreaded Sunday morning getting ready for church. Young families have all experienced this. Maybe you didn't this morning because you made it to the early service. Maybe this will make more sense in the second service. But we've all experienced the Sunday morning getting ready for church. Disobedience, bad hair day, wrinkly shirt. Now we're all late. And what begins to rise up in dad or mom's heart is anger. Frustration that's being lashed out. You're trying to get people moving because you want to get there on time. And so in that moment, slow anger, it stops and says, what's driving me to feel this? What's motivating me to anger in this moment? And what we discover is most often it's the fact that we just don't want to be seen as a person who doesn't have it together. We don't want to be seen as a person who's late, who didn't leave enough time in the morning. And so what we're doing is because we love ourselves in that way, we're displaying our wrath against our family to get them moving so we can get there on time. See, we found the motivated affection behind our anger. And almost 100% of the time when we ask ourselves this question, experience tells me, and I trust it tells you too, that we will realize our sinfulness. See, we need to review. Second thing we, we need to do if we want self-controlled anger is repent. The reality is if, if you are not regularly repenting about the things that you are getting angry about, you are likely losing the battle against anger. And that doesn't mean that you're lashing out in anger all the time, but it means that you're probably internalizing a lot of anger. See, the Christian walk, it's a walk of repentance. And when anger begins to reveal our heart's motives, it begins to reveal the things that we love too much. See, it's in this way that God revealing to you that you're an angry person can be one of the greatest blessings in your life. Because in that moment you are angry, God is teaching you something about your own heart. And if you can ask the right questions and get to the bottom of what is driving you to anger, you can discover so much about your sinful heart that you need to turn to the Lord with in repentance. And do you know that the Lord loves when we turn to him in brokenness? This is Jesus' heart of compassion for those who admit that they have broken desires. 
for those who admit that their heart loves the wrong things, and yet so often we are so unwilling to turn to Jesus, to turn to Jesus for the very thing that he came to die for. See, he came to die for angry people. He came to die in order that angry people might have open access to him, that we might lay our sins upon the cross for him to take and atone. And so we review our anger, we repent of our anger, and lastly, we remember. If we want to have self-controlled anger, we must remember what Christ has done. See, it's impossible to fix your own heart. If your heart is broken, you cannot change it. We've all tried, haven't we? So many of us hate our anger. We hate the destruction that it has on our lives and those that we love. And so do we do. One day we just decide that I'm I'm not going to be angry anymore. And maybe there's a short change, but after a while things just start to irritate you. Thing after thing, enough that there's a breaking point. And again, you burst out in anger and and you're frustrated about it because you don't want to be an angry person. See, the reality is we cannot provide the inward change that we need. The only way that our hearts can begin to love the right things is if they are transformed by Jesus Christ. See, what we need is a new, transformed heart. And apart from Christ, you can't deal with your anger. And so the one who wants self-controlled anger leaves this place making this declaration that all I have in the battle against anger is Christ. That I need a new, transformed heart. See, the reality is that Jesus came to restore us back to our intended order. That your battle against anger begins and continues and ends by leaning on Jesus Christ. And if we want to ever have victory in the battle against anger, he's our only hope. See, this is the path from anger to self-control. Understand its double-edged power. Find the motivation behind your anger. And then pursue the one who can truly give you peace and self-control. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have provided a way for those of us who are angry to have peace with you. Despite the fact that we have sinned against you, Lord, you have redeemed us. You have promised a new life and a new heart. And so, God, I pray that we would leave this place declaring the glory of Jesus Christ, who has come to make things right, who has come to provide healing for us. I pray that we would leave this place being a people who are angry about the right things, whose hearts being transformed so that we can now love the right things, are able to stand up for the many injustices that happen in our world, the many things that prick your heart. Father, we pray that we would be a people that are dependent on you every moment of the day, knowing that our anger has destructive power and yet great power for healing and for justice. God, help us, we pray. In the name of your Son, amen.